G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Yesterday was a momentous day. Something that was impossible became a reality. (laughs) Where there was no way, a way was made. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Happy Valley Reservoir was open for recreation. Woo! One friend posted that I saw, he he grew up in the area and he said, I've grown up in this area for 30 years and I never thought I would be legally able to see these views. (laughs) Uh, Let me take you back about five years, maybe a bit more than that. Just so happens that... Uh, the friend that's here today, Joe, and her husband, Matt. Joe and I um, would often drive past the reservoir um, when we lived in Aberfoyle Park in that area. And um, we'd heard these stories about people sneaking in, as someone already alluded to, breaking in, camping out. I think there's an island there, like getting across to the island, like all these exciting stories. And it's just kind of captured my imagination. I'm like why can't we go in there? Like, this is like the best spot in the area and it's like locked up and no one's allowed in there. It's like this big, beautiful body of water, all these trees and wildlife, but there's all these gates and no one can go in there. It's like, why not? Can't we just go for a stroll? Like, why do they need the gates? And anyway, this kind of, there's a serious element there, but there was also a bit of a joke around it and we would just talk about this and... We'd kind of, you know, by faith declare, you know, these gates would open. And um, we talked about, like, Willy Wonka's gates are going to open for the public. And we'll go in and, you know, taste the, the amazing wonders that the reservoir contains. Anyway, it got to the point that we were so excited about this that I, I saw somewhere on Facebook, whatever, that there was going to be a free guided tour of the water treatment plant that was in the Happy Valley Reservoir, we're like, this is our chance. We can get in. We can get in and get a glimpse of what it's like in there. And and maybe, just maybe, we can, you know, plant a seed about this place opening up, you know, for greater things. And um, uh, it actually happened to be on Joe's birthday, which was double blessing. Um, And, you know, we tried to get the hype going and get more people along to the tour, but no one was interested. Um, so, you know, the day arrived, um, and we were pumped, and we were excited to get our first glimpse of inside the gates, and, um, we arrived at the appointed time, we tried to maintain our buzz and excitement throughout what must have been the most boring tour of all time, and (laughs) neither one of us can remember one single fact that we learned from that, but we were just busy trying to, like make our own plans about, anyway, so it was about an, I reckon about an hour of hearing about the water treatment, and yep, okay, look at this container water, look at this container water, and then they had a and a at the end, like, yes, do you think the Happy Valley Reservoir will ever be open to the public for recreation, and what was her response, Joe? you can tell the good people here, never gonna happen, That will never 
happen? And yesterday, what happened? Dreams really do come true. Um, and as much as it's a bit of a joke, and we kind of certainly, you know, ham. There we are. That was five years ago at the tour. <laughs> we, and this was yesterday at the reservoir. Um, as much as we, you know, yeah. As much as we joke about it, and kind of, I like to ham this up because. But at the same time, I am genuinely pumped. That something that was said to be like, this cannot happen, it's never going to happen, happened. And it's really awesome. It's so cool to go in there and to see, you know, people that have lived in the area for so long and you suddenly have access to these views and these walks and these sites and experiences that were completely unavailable. And, you know, some people now have like a short walk to this like watery wonderland and you know there's an 11k loop around the reservoir you can take kayaks and you can go fishing and it's like suddenly you might have had like maybe you, if you're lucky a nice park down the road and suddenly you've got this amazing um you know natural experience at your fingertips and it really is a game changer for the community it uh, impacts the lifestyle of everyone living there and beyond just to come in to enjoy this to have access and to experience it and I think it's awesome and yeah the, the Saturday morning stroll options that it opens up the barbecue possibilities with friends it's like how good like this is a good news story and I'm excited about it um but obviously, there's more to the story. Um, I'm going to talk about other things, but um, <laughs> I do think this is a great step in. Like, you know, it's a small thing, but I think these small things, it's, it is a good reminder. It's a tangible reminder about the good news of the gospel, about something that's previously been impossible, access denied to access granted and how much greater obviously it's a bit you know embarrassing to even make the comparison to the happy valley reservoir opening to the gospel but you know you can <laughs> you can work with me on that um but sometimes it's those small things that help us to just grasp it in a deeper way it's like how exciting to be able to do something you could never do before and you know for us to think you know i guess there's two things i want to talk about today it's like it's Christmas season, we're leading up to Christmas, and I think it's so important as the church that we really embrace this opportunity to, to re-wonder about the gospel and to just let that sink in a bit more. Like, this is amazing, incredible what's happened. Like, the biggest game changer of all time has taken place um, with, with Jesus becoming, you know, an incarnate human being and, you know, inviting us into life with him and totally changing our reality, taking us from darkness into light. And, you know, we can lose the wonder about it. We can kind of forget the greatness of what's taken place. And I know that happens for all of us, but this is the time and opportunity we have to, okay, Christmas is coming. We're gathered together. Let's remember what has taken place, what God has done, and how incredible it is. And remember what he has opened up for us that previously we didn't have access to. Um, I want to have a look at 
John chapter 1, if you want to turn to that. This is such a beautiful and powerful passage of scripture that just says so much. I do, I do find like preparing for these this message, like it's overwhelming. You feel like you're being crushed under the weight of all that you want to or could say or all that there is to say when you're trying to bring a reminder about the wonder of the gospel. It's like, where do you begin? Where do you end? Obviously, you never end, but um, I will tonight. Um, but yeah, and uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought earlier. But the other thing that I also want to remind us in this rem- remembering the gospel, it goes hand in hand. But just also this thing of recapturing a bit of childlike wonder in life. And I think for me, the reservoir, that was a piece of that for me. It was like getting excited about something kind of fun and silly and you know, beginning to go, imagine if this happened. And the fact that it just, it did happen makes it all the better. But, you know, just to allow ourselves to hope for and dream about possibilities in our life and in situations and, you know, to allow ourselves to trust God enough with our hearts that we can just dream a little bit and open up our minds a little bit about what could be possible. Um, Yeah, so I guess I want to encourage that in us today to just let God speak to our hearts and allow ourselves to respond like children in awe and wonder. So John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is different from what you've got, but that's okay. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. And I just want to read also verse 4 from the Passion Translation, which says, Life came into being because of him, for his life is the light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. I just want to take a moment to pray and ask God, that he would touch our hearts and that his spirit would open our eyes to, you know, take in more of this amazing truth. Because the, the fact is we can't actually ourselves become more amazed and wondering at God. Like we need God's revelation. His Holy Spirit is the one that shows us these things. We can't conjure it up. We can't make it happen. But we can cooperate. We can give time to the word, to scripture, to hear, to receive, but it's him that brings the revelation. So there's no point in me talking if he's not at work in our hearts. Um, but yeah, just he wants to speak to us and he's able. And like in uh, Ephesians, I'll pray like Ephesians, you know, it says we should pray, Paul prays for the Ephesians to have power to comprehend how how great love God's love is. It's like we need Holy Spirit power to comprehend what God has done and that there's always more that we need to, we need more power all the time to understand more because there's so much to take in. 
Um, so it's a very much a supernatural enablement to grow in that way. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here right now. You know, we know you are with us, but we invite you afresh. We open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Lord, help us to be tenderhearted toward you, towards your words to us tonight. We thank you that there is so much more for us to grasp of your goodness, of your love. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to grasp it, to receive more of it, to receive it like children with the awe and wonder it deserves. Expand our hearts. That each one of us, regardless of what this season of life brings for us, whether it's joy or pain, that we would know the riches and depth of your love in a deeper and more powerful way this Christmas season. And Lord, I ask that you would work through me and my words as I speak tonight, that you would bless your people, encourage them, and fill them with joy and wonder. Amen. We've been taken from darkness to light. It's such a dramatic thing that's taken place. It's such a dramatic act of love that Jesus has done for us. And, you know, it's like, oh, sorry. I've I got to stick with my scripture. Otherwise, I'll just go off, off rambling. Um, let's look at Colossians 1, 12 to 14. And plus, the words of scripture are just so incredible and so rich on this, that really we just could read this out to one another and that would be sufficient. This is from the New Living Translation as well. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> a dramatic change has taken place. What was prophesied in Isaiah 60? Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness is black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. 
this light first broke through in the hills of Bethlehem and a star shone to mark the history rocky moment of Christ's birth. He entered the fray. He became a helpless, vulnerable babe. As it said in John 1.14, the Passion Translation says, the living expression became a man and lived among us. But I was saying to Scotty before as we were gathering to pray that, you know, he didn't just become a man, he became a baby. And, you know, just like you said before, just about that picture of the, the light, you know, the, the youth had drawn a picture of a light and other things around it. And in a way, it's like Jesus, he went from being in the light to being in that space where all these horrible things are happening. Like he, he didn't take himself out into a safe space. He came from a safe, glorious, wondrous space into a horrible place and a dangerous place. And he came not just as a man, like as a warrior, appearing on the scene to fight evil. He came as a baby. He became one of us. You know, and I think the Jewish understanding was that, yeah, there would be this warrior, there'd be this Messiah, someone that would come in and take the reins. And he came in such an unexpected way, in such a vulnerable way, um, in such a small way. And it's like, you know, thinking of Beth about to have her baby. And, you know, he was in Mary's womb for nine months. And then he was dependent on these young people to care for him and to grow. And it's like, wow, like, could there be a greater act of humility than that? Like, minds have been and always will be, like, blown by the incarnation. We'll never grasp it. We'll never fully comprehend it. But how good that we get to spend our lives trying <laughs> and reflecting on it and meditating on it and wondering at the greatest miracle that ever ever took place. And really, if that's the only miracle we ever knew about, like that is enough. That is more than enough, that he would do that, that he would enter humanity for us. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11, it speaks of it like this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, and in other translations it says, or be grasped. And I think this is so powerful and it hit me this week. Like this is the exact opposite of what human beings have done. Like the first sin and even the sin of Satan, it's like, I want to be like God. And it's like he had his role, he had his place, he had, you know, life and existence all came from him. And yet we we wanted more, we wanted something outside of ourselves, we wanted what wasn't ours to have we wanted to be God and it's like that was the temptation for Adam and Eve it's like oh you know you'll be like God if you do this and it's like here's God himself coming and like laying aside that God likeness like being willing to be vulnerable to be weak to be humble to serve that was true greatness that's truly being like God it's not the power it's not the I mean obviously God power and authority as well but yeah the path to that like the way that that power expresses itself is in service is in love is in humility but to think humans had tried to grasp at that had tried to take that for themselves and stuffed everything up and so here comes Jesus though he was God 
he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an amazing God we have that would do this for us. And, you know, it just keeps going the goodness of the gospel like it's amazing what Jesus did this act of love and humility and laying himself down and dying and paying for and I guess the thing that sometimes we even forget to go on to talk about is like well what exactly does that mean for us now like what are the implications of that for us now and you know he's a simplest way to put it I think is that he became like us so we could become like him and that sounds almost even a little bit blasphemous to say, but that's the essence of what he was seeking to accomplish. He wasn't coming just to show himself as this awesome God. He was coming to achieve a goal of reconnecting with humanity, of wanting to be with us. Like, he, the goal, everything was about connection. It was about, like, the motive was love. The motive was relationship. The motive was to be with us. And in John chapter 1, you can, if you still got it open, 11, ver, 11 and 12, I'm reading from the Passion Translation here. He entered the very world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the very people he created, to those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. He wanted to expand the family. He wanted more children. And children of God, that's the name that we have. And, like, let that sink in for a moment. Like, if you think, I'm the child of this person or that person, like, to really think, no, I'm the child of God. He's my true father in the truest sense. Yes, we all have earthly biological family and parents, but he's our true father. And... It, He's the firstborn. It says in Romans 8, he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Like, he's putting us on the same level as himself by saying that. Like, we're brothers and sisters with Jesus? Like, what? And, you know, yes, he's, he's always remains God and we remain, you know, his children. But, like, this is the level of connection and intimacy family that he's seeking He's not looking for just, yes, we serve him and we obey him and we bow to him, but he's not just looking for that kind of relationship. He's looking for that deep, intimate connection. And he's made it possible. He paved the way in his life and death and resurrection for us to follow in his footsteps. And the new birth, you know, and again, sometimes these terms, we grow used to them, like um, to be a new creation, and to have, you know, I'm a born-again Christian or, like, that's not just, like, a euphemism or a parallel. or Like, that's the spiritual reality. It's like, we were dead 
Spiritually, now we're alive. We were in the kingdom of darkness, now we're in the kingdom of light. It's like there is no comparison from one to the other. And now like our outer physical body has not yet changed. And that's something we look forward to is the complete redemption of our bodies and the, the creation itself and all things being made right. I love, we have the, in Romans 8, it's like we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Like if the third of the Trinity is our deposit, <laughs> like... What is to come? And he's, he's put his life in us. And you know how the, the scriptures that speak of, you know, he gives us a new heart and a new mind. He writes his law. It, it's not just something we out there, we're trying to attain righteousness. We're trying to follow and obey the law. No, he's given us a new heart. We followed in his, it says, when Christ died, we died with him. And when he rose, we rose with him. We have spiritually entered into the same life that Christ has. That is what he has done for us. Um, And we walk in that by faith. This is what he has done. He's brought us into his family. We were lost, but now we are found. We were separated from God, but now we're invited in to the deepest place of face-to-face intimacy. It was interesting reading one of the commentaries and it said that word because it talks about you know being in the presence of God it says there's not actually a word for the word presence in the Hebrew it was like the word they is like face to face and I love that because again it's so personal it's not just like oh the vibe is like Jesus vibe it's like no it's like it's not just a feeling or experience it's like a connection with a real person the person of Jesus um and you know we can experience the foretaste of that heavenly reality because of the life he's given us. Um, And that hope is real. Like, what an amazing gift. Like I said, whatever our season or experience now of pain or struggle, suffering, like he's promised all things will work together for the good of those who love him. Redemption, restoration, you know, a new beginning, a new heaven and a new earth, all things restored. That is a promise that is solid. Like that's not just a, oh, maybe. And that's the sort of, that's the promise we build our life on. And that's the promise that makes us safe to dream again and to hope for things that seem impossible because we don't have to be afraid of being disappointed because even if what we specifically are hoping for, asking for, doesn't happen even in this lifetime, it's like, it's okay because there's so much better to come and that he will do something that will actually blow our minds and be so much more beyond what we could hope or imagine, because that's what the scripture says, more than you can hope or imagine is what he has in store. So to me, that's an invitation to imagine. Try and imagine how good life could be. Try and imagine, try and out-imagine God. That's the challenge. And I think we can get so cautious and so scared because that life is full of disappointment and heartache and grief. But yet that invitation remains like, and the truth that he will restore all things eventually is, is what makes us secure in that. We don't need to be anxious. Because we do, we live in this in-between time. You know, they call it the now and the not yet. It's like we have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. We're new creations in Christ. There's so much we have access to that we didn't before. But there's also this tension of things that are unmet, the justices that are un done, unfulfilled, the griefs, the pains, the losses. We're in that tension. But
thought, you know, how beautiful that also in Romans 8, it's a good chapter. The suffering we now endure bears no comparison to the splendor yet unrevealed that is in store for us. No comparison. And like there's some pretty hard and painful things I know even in this room, people have had hard and painful lives and stories. And it's sort of insulting that it says it bears no comparison to the splendor that is to be real. But then we just don't really get how splendor, how much greatness and splendor there is to come. But just to take that encouragement and to look ahead with the eyes of faith to that heavenly city, to that that heavenly reality for, you know, the king that is coming that will make all things right. We can be free to celebrate and to rejoice in him because we are in him. And he has come to be live amongst us, to dwell with us, to be God with us, Emmanuel. He understands our suffering and our pain, and he's with us in it. I just want to finish with this passage from Hebrews, chapter 10, 19 to 25. If you want to turn, if you don't, that's all right. Um, this is in the NLT. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. And how perfect thinking about the access. Come on, had to use this passage. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house... Let us go right into the presence, face to face, of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. How good is that? I pray that we would, be con- that we would continue to be overwhelmed and overjoyed at the wonder of what he's done, that we would spur each other on to that remembrance and to love and good works and just um, representing him, shining the light that he's given us in our families, in our communities and wherever we go because we are children of the light, children of God and he's with us and we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Glory to God in the highest, peace to his people on earth. Amen. We're going to sing and worship him and I, yeah, let our hearts soar in gratitude to the one who gave it all for us. As Christina stands.